being just a couple minutes early today. Normally, Facebook Live is the last thing uh, to come on of the three platforms that we uh, broadcast on, podcast on, communicate on. Today it was the first. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We come to you six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we're brought to you on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, where you can simply listen. Uh, YouTube Comedy Schools channel, where you get a, a panoramic view of all the junk on my desk. And, of course, right here on Facebook Live in a tight close-up. Um, we uh, do three things on this show. Uh, one of them we can't show you. Uh, but you know, That's not true. That's not true. Uh, we do three things on this show. Um, we uh, answer your questions and comments as they pop up on social media. As, as best that we can, and we enjoy doing that. That's a big part of the show, big part of all of our regular uh, viewers and listeners. Uh, we're not just a podcast, we're a community. Um, usually I'll have some knickknack or memorabilia or autograph or periodical or book that I'll show you and try to weave a personal story around, something that's usually found right here in the home office, laying around here uh, in the uh, simple abode where the home office uh, is located here in beautiful uh, Maricopa, Arizona, the entertainment capital of the world. Um, we do that. Um, and also then we recommend uh, one artist or one piece of music based off our vast vinyl album and a CD collection. Also, we've got a survey going on right now for those of you that want to chime in. And the survey is uh, best drum solo openings for a song in the rock era. Why did I say the rock era? And I'm tell you why. Because I, uh, I know just a little bit about uh, rap. Just a little bit about rap. And I know quite a bit about jazz. But they're really two separate forms of music. And I don't know enough about rap to be able to run a survey of this nature. Um, I really don't know enough about jazz to be able to do that. It's, it's, and I'm pretty well versed in certain types of jazz. Mainly, you know, from... Uh, 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 the Charlie Parker era, or even going back as early, a little earlier than that, moving forward through uh, uh, all the incarnations of uh, jazz that Miles Davis put jazz through. And I say that in a positive way. But I do know rock. So uh, we've got two, two uh, nominations for the survey so far. We just started this yesterday. The first one was for me. I claim that the snare drum kick, bam, at the beginning of Like a Rolling Stone by uh, Bob Dylan is worthy of a, uh, a song being started off with uh, drums or a drum solo. Uh, so I put that on. Uh, Don Shell, from, uh, who I knew from back in the old days in Missouri and still know now due to the miracle of social media, uh, Soul Sacrifice by Santana. So we've got two. We're going to go with uh, the top ten. We'll take a while to do this. Two that will probably go on the list of songs that start off with drums or a drum solo in the rock era, the greatest. Um, I'm going to hold off. I can name off several. I'm going to see what you guys come up with in the coming weeks. we got Soul Sacrifice, of course, by uh, Santana. Uh, we ran it by the committee. We don't think that Wipeout, although Wipeout would be considered kind of the rock era, although not in a rock song, a, a surf song, um, is mainly known for its incredible drum solos. Starts out with a guy going, wipe out. So I don't know if that counts or not. According to the committee we spoke with, 
he would not count because that's not how the song is starting. Okay, so uh, we got that going for you too, in addition to everything that we're doing. Uh, the first person to get the virus vaccination in England got it today. I don't know her name, but I heard it on the news. I heard it on the radio. A 91-year-old woman in England was the first one to get the vaccination, which means, you know, she will live at least another seven hours. <laughs> that while you're here, we got a uh, full production crew here today, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, uh, manning the keyboards and making sure that everything is humming along smoothly is the producer of the show, Shirley Visick. My occasional co-host, Sullivan Ramirez, is right here. You can see him vividly on YouTube right now, but not on Facebook. And uh, also uh, Roscoe, the dog, Chica, the Chihuahua, and uh, Ray, the Wonder Cat, are all within the vicinity. So it's a full room today. Uh, yes, and of course, uh, Stephanie Ramirez uh, is in the other room. She's here, and I, I absolutely, 100%, she's just not usually a part of the show. Yeah. We're talking about... Sometimes you might walk by. Yeah, you might. We might see. Yeah, you might see her. If you if you ever see someone going, hey, I've never seen that person on the Living on a Thin Line podcast broadcast before. Uh, it's a very good chance that it is uh, uh, my uh, stepdaughter Stephanie. So um, daughter Stephanie, however you want to. I don't know. You know, after a while, man. You know, uh, none of that matters. What matters is who do you care about and who cares about you and who takes care of you and who do you take care of. Um, okay. So uh, they're starting to roll out the vaccine in England, which means they'll be soon, before you know it, they'll be the butt cheek into pubs, hoisted a pipe, and shoving bangers and mash into their throats. Worst food in the world comes out of England. You never hear anybody go, hey, let's go for some English food. You just don't hear it. No one ever says it. What about pizza? Pizza's not English food. Pizza is supposedly Italian food. You said England. England, yeah, England is English, and they don't make... They don't, they're not known for their recipes. Yeah, but pizza has, I mean, pizza was, a, was, was Pe known for that, but also Pe England was known for that. England's not known for pizza. England is not known for pizza. See, this is where, now we're going to get flagged by Facebook for <laughs> sending out false information. People go, wow, you know what I heard? I heard it. And on YouTube, I saw it on YouTube. I saw it on a podcast on YouTube. So that's why we know that it's real, because it's a podcast on YouTube. And people think Siren Head is real. They think what? They think Siren Head is real. I mean, he, he still don't. Yeah. Know, but, like, there has been a bunch of sightings, but yet again. Like, there's, but there's sightings of Bigfoot, too, but he's not real. Yeah, Bigfoot's not real. That's just, that's just a hair. It's just. There is also a There's a conspiracy theory that Bigfoot is the Grinch. I've now also heard that Bigfoot is actually just Randy Quaid hiding from the IRS no, someplace in not. Montana. No, he's, not. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting for Clark Griswold to come and uh, save him. <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul Whitney says Olive Garden is known for good Italian, though. No, it is not, Paul. Yeah, and that's, you know, and Sullivan. That's false. Yeah, and uh, Shirley, you both said, that's false. By the way, I fixed the delicious pasta meal today. I was um, obsessed. What? Yeah, it made smoke twice. alarms go off twice. twice. Yes. <laughs> my, uh, my cooking today made smoke alarms in the house go off twice. Yeah, and 
Yeah, there was a little smoke. But it, you know what? There was no fire, which just proves that the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. Smoke. No, we smoke. No, we did not have a little smoke. Everybody could smell it from the whole entire house. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. There was smoke. All right. But let me tell you what caused the smoke, because that makes it all worth it. I made a tomato, list, a tomato sauce-less pasta dish today, good for lunch, good for dinner. I don't want to turn this into a whole food thing. I put four cloves of garlic, half a cup of olive oil, four cloves of gar garlic in a frying pan. That's not a lot of garlic. It's not a lot of garlic. I was going to use eight until it was shimmering. In the other pan, twice cooked pork, just on the grater, so it was really grated up, along with uh, fresh bell pepper and tomatoes with thin olive oil so it doesn't burn and get gooey. Yes. Yes, and Sullivan made gas masks out of paper cups and sold me one for three bucks. Uh, please don't tell my financial advisor I'm engaging in those sort of shenanigans. So after I did all of that, I made the pasta, okay? Threw the uh, peppers, tomatoes, and little pieces of pork into the pasta. Mixed that all up real good. Then I poured the earl with the garlic over it. Mixed that up, all up real good. Add it. Parsley flakes, not as much as I should have. Should have had some more parsley flakes. And then, peas de resistance, Parmesan cheese, all mixed in a bowl, made for a great pasta lunch. So that's my recipe for a great tomato sauce-less pasta lunch. So we've already covered a lot of ground here. Um, I almost set the house on fire doing that. Uh, I gave you the recipe. Uh, we know that pizza doesn't come from England. And we know that a 91-year-old lady is now safe from the COVID, so she can go out knocking boots all around London town. She still has to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I think... <laughs> and gloves. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that if... Yes, masks and gloves would be required from the 91-year-old lady. So <laughs> what else is going on? Oh, okay, this is important. Uh, this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Th we always talk about pizza on the show. It always brings this guy up. When we, I don't know. We always talk about we always end up talking about pizza on the show, yeah, yeah. and then who comes up on the show? Jim Perry. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, who owns JP's Comedy Club and who puts salt on his pizza? So we'll just be talking about something, and then pizza will come up, and then it always reminds us of Jim Perry. And when we think of Jim Perry, the first thing we think about is the man puts salt on his pizza. But the second thing we think about is that he is the proprietor of the uh, Greater Phoenix, Greater Gilbert. Greater Arizona's uh, latest and greatest stand-up comedy nightclub, J.P.'s Comedy Club. And this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's a real treat to be able to get the guy who's going to be there this weekend in a small club setting. And by the way, the best stand-up is seen in small clubs. It is. Stand-up is an intimate art form. And uh, not weird intimate, you know, like what we were talking about with the 91-year-old lady. It's just an intimate art form. Uh, and uh, Mark Cordes, Mark Cordes, who I have known... And have worked with and have been hiring since the, uh, the early mid-90s. But he's been around since 88. One of the best corporate comics in the country. One of the cleanest comics in the country. One of the top cruise ship comics in the country. All around great guy. Uh, Mark Cordes is going to be in a, a trek down from where he's been quarantining in the high country. To do a show just for you this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if you like clean, high quality, interesting comedy from a real comedy veteran. 
Uh, you're going to want to make it at the JP's Comedy Club this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be there tonight teaching my advanced comedy workshop. New round of that starting December 22nd. So I think that gets all the... Oh, and I, you know, I should start mentioning New Year's Eve, JP's Comedy Club, Jim Perry, Tony Visick. It will be a hybrid Zoom show. So those of you who can't join us in person will be able to be there. So we got all that going. We got all that going. Um, there was a recommendation to uh, do some things here. Um, I don't know where I got this particular comic book. What have I got in my hand? No, not this one. I don't want this one. I want this one. Okay. So this is Submariner. Okay. 20 cents. So for a long time, comics were only 10 cents. Then they went up to 12 cents, which caused quite a brouhaha. To be honest with you, as a little kid, I'd save up my money and I had to save up 12 cents out of 10. This one was published in 1973. So this comic book came out the year that I graduated high school. This is May of 1973. So the last month that I was in high school, this came out. Now, I was reading comic books in high school. But I wasn't reading Submariner, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, all those things. I was reading the underground comics that I really, truly fell in love with. Uh, the Art Crumb comics and Griffin Com, uh, uh, the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers, Fat Freddy's Cat, Mr. Natural, uh, all of those uh, great comic books. But uh, what have I got here? Sullivan has started his own collection. Can we show it? And he he's started... Yeah, he's collecting Walking Dead comics and, of course, Shazam. This is a, uh, nah. no, this is Peter Porker's The Secret of Spider-Ham. So that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. And then we got Shazam. And then we got another Shazam. Now, I don't know a lot about the Shazam series. It's a, a DC, out of the DC universe. Um, actually pretty good. Yeah, and they're, uh, they, re they retail for four bucks. It leads up to the actual movie. Well, so here. Actually, well, actually, um, I'm pretty sure like that one's probably like the second movie, but like they never made a second movie. Yeah. So, so um, my uh, grandson and I, our latest thing is going to. They actually opened up a comic book store in Maricopa, Mr. E's Comics. Great people up at Mr. E's Comics. Patient, cool people. Sullivan, go up there and ask them all kinds of questions. They answer the questions. Here, buddy, put these someplace safe now. Um, People go, aren't you wasting money on comic books? And I go, no, it's not a waste because we love them. Okay, it's not a waste because um, there's a lot of things we're not doing right now. You know, there's a lot of things we're not doing right now. So as far as discretionary income, we've got a little extra dough. And a lot of things that Sullivan and I used to like to do, uh, going to the arcade and all those things, we can't do it right now. Found Mr. East Comics, and that's our new hangout. We will be there tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not as bad as two ladies fighting for toilet paper. And I, what was that a YouTube video? No, it's on social, social media. It's on social media. Two ladies fighting for toilet paper. Literally, that actually happened at the store. So I think I'll reveal a big secret right now why we haven't had a toilet paper shortage in uh, this house. Is I just don't use it. I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels. And uh, since I am a bit antisocial, it keeps people away from me. So. I haven't used toilet paper since September of 1982, and I'm fine. <laughs> and I know a lot of stuff. Therefore, I'm sitting on a mountain of information. All right. We've kind of goofed off through this. We're having fun. 
Uh, let's get to the music, shall we? I've done the commercials. Talked about that. You know to go to JP's this week and see Mark Cordes. You know, if you want to take stand-up comedy workshops, I'm the guy for you. Uh, I'm offering right now uh, to anybody who signs up for our beginning workshops, I signs up in full in advance um, for either our Zoom classes or our in-person classes, a uh, private 20-minute one-on-one personal meeting via phone or social media. Absolutely free. That's going to be for you. I can't find what I had. Oh, here we go. Uh, the music we were going to talk about today. And we're right on time. We're trying to make this half and half. Half free flow, half music. And these were not... Where did I set them? I don't know. These? No, not those. Uh, I had two. I got them. Uh, here they are. Here they are. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about a... Um, album uh and i've i've owned it in vinyl i've owned it in vinyl and then uh i don't know what happened to that uh it probably got traded for a nickel bag and then um i now have it uh on uh cd we're gonna talk about the uh coming together and the continuation of music the merging of pop music rock music with uh more traditional america music that's Pretty much kind of become uh, Americana. You know, one time there was just country music. Then there was country rock. Then there was uh, uh, outlaw country. There was alt country. You know, uh, all the different types of country music. But the coming together of, uh, say, the counterculture of the 60s and what was always there, the uh, ever-flowing river of uh, American music that came out of... Uh, came out of the hills and the hollers uh, along that Route 23 line of out of Kentucky and Pennsylvania and West Virginia, uh, where the tradition of this type of folk music was uh, uh, continued on because there was two strains under all American pop, the pop standards. Uh, there was the other music, and the other music was the blues, and the other music was... Uh, the country folk music, country music, but the folk music, the folk music. Now, they all began to come together in the 70s. So, uh, and the first group to actually pull that all together was the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Nitty Gritty Dirt Band were a bunch of guys who dressed like a bunch of hippies and sang songs that sounded like they came from a different era, but they had an ethic or a sound that even though it was old, made it sound new again. Even though it was old, made it alive to new young ears. On this particular CD, on this particular CD, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, which were for the most part hippies, came together with some of the geniuses of the Grand Old Opry. On this album with these hippies, this Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, he the heck are they? Mother Maybell Carter, Doc Watson, Earl Scruggs, Roy Acuff, uh, Vassar Clements, and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band featuring Jay McFadden, Jeff Hanna, uh, John McEwen, and Les Thompson. So those guys somehow wanted to get together with the progenitors, or more to the point, the keepers 
of great American music from the country and the hills. And this album, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, was probably one of the most important albums in making that happen. One of the most important albums to opening it up the ears, especially. I don't know how it worked on the countryside. People who were real traditional Grand Ole Opry people at the time. But on the other side, it was part and parcel and one of the most important parts of opening up our ears to this music that we thought was hillbilly, that we thought was stupid, that we thought was stodgy, that we thought was old-fashioned, and realized it was fantastic. And that was, that, a lot of that went on in the early 70s, okay? As it was possibly, possibly starting to die, okay? As it was being, beginning to possibly die, um, there were two movies made that helped, and that's why I think I'll go with this second, two movies made that really helped keep that tradition and that music alive. And one was, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And Cheryl, the uh, song we'll be picking from it is, uh, well, we want, I'm a man of constant sorrow, but we want the full band one, not the, um, uh, just the acoustic, uh, acoustic with, uh, vocals one. Uh, man of constant sorrow from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? One of the greatest, greatest, uh, uh, incarnations of Man of Constant Sorrow, which I first heard on Bob Dylan's first album. That And then this movie, Inside Lewin Davis. Man of Constant Sorrow played the music of the hill country, of the depression, of people who lived and, lived and died in coal mines. Oh, brother, and then Inside Lewin Davis picked up with a folk generation, the guys in the early 60s in Greenwich Village, we're picking up on other folk songs and making them new again, too. On this uh, is a great song, Hang Me, Oh, Hang Me, uh, Fare Thee Well, Dink Song. Okay, Last Thing on My Mind, 500 Miles, Please, Mr. Kennedy, Green Rocky Road, Death of Queen Jane. Just a bunch of great stuff on Inside Lewin Davis. But we're really going gonna to kick off today with Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, with the Soggy Bottom Boys. With the soggy bottom boys. That's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm looking here to see, um, and I don't have it in front of me, who the uh, musicians were. But a lot of musicians that played the Grand Old Opry then went on. It was produced by T-Bone Burnett. Uh, both of these, uh, Inside Lewin Davis and Oh Brother Rockdow, both produced by T-Bone Burnett, who's done so much great stuff to keep... Uh, keep this music alive and i apologize about not having the names of the artists that did uh, uh played the played the instruments on uh oh brother where art now but if you want to hear something fantastic if you hear something that seems to touch you someplace in your soul that maybe you forgot even existed because i don't want to get goofy here but your soul is bigger than your body your soul is bigger than you your soul is bigger than all the worlds combined, and you could explore it all. There's parts of your soul that sometimes get left untouched, and they seem to wither from having no light on them. And sometimes when you hear a song like Man of Constant Sorrow done by the Soggy, uh, Soggy Bottom Boys, we're going to talk more about this CD, how important it is tomorrow. Uh, it can bring so many wonderful things alive. So we're going to talk about these three CDs all week, to be honest with you. First one being, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? 
with uh, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and some of the, um, the very first people to ever grace the stage of the Ryman Auditorium. Oh, brother, where art thou? Now the Coen Brothers kept this music alive and once again reminded those of us who liked that music when we were teenagers or in high school or in college how great it was, brought it to New Year's, and then Inside Lewin Davis, which really was a great movie about that particular era in Greenwich Village, you know? Uh, and that particular era in Greenwich Village in the early 60s with all the folk players gave us so many great, great artists. And of course, number one, top of the list, a man who is uh, today $300 million richer, Bob Dylan. Uh, saw it on the news the other day that Bob Dylan has sold his entire music catalog, catalog I believe, to Universal Music for $300 million. They now have all the licensing rights. The man's 78 years old and uh, maybe needed a couple bucks, uh, I don't know, to buy a new car and uh, take a vacation someplace, uh, you know, go to Disneyland. And he looked at his uh, wallet and saw he was a little short on change. He went, oh, my God, 78. I can't work anymore. <laughs> so he sold his whole catalog for $300 million, uh, $200 million shy of a half a billion. Uh, and you know what? My hat's off to him. Uh, he is one of the most important pieces of the American soundtrack. Um, but I got some information popping up here from Shirley. George Clooney agreed. We're talking about, oh, brother, we're out now. George Clooney agreed to do this film without having read the script. George Clooney practiced his singing for weeks, but in the end, his singing voice was dubbed by blues singer Dan, yeah, Dan Tominsky, a country blues singer, Dan Tominsky, who also did a lot of the instruments on those songs. Just stunning, stunning guy. I even saw a concert a few years after the movie came out called Down from the Mountain, where they, uh, they had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Ricky Skaggs and people like that were all uh, played at the, uh, uh, the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. And it was, one of the, uh, it was a stunning, great concert. Uh, and these are people that continue on the tradition of real American music. There's a lot of real American music. But this is uh, one vertical, one chapter in the book of American music that uh, if you don't experience it, you're really missing out. All right. I think that's going to be it for the day. I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up five minutes short. You know, I could go off about politics. I go about all the hoodoo guru that's going on. Um, you know, it's a sad state of affairs we're watching as we watch uh, uh, the poison fruit on the, uh, on the malignant tree wither and die. But hopefully out of this, something new will come along. Uh, when the vaccine comes out, man, I will, when, as soon as I get it, I'll be letting you know it here. You let us know when you got it. We're all going to inoculate. And then we're going to matriculate. See, that sounds dirty, but it's not. Okay. <laughs> all right. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line. I'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. My name's Tony Visig. Bye-bye. <laughs>